But even as I was standing there worshiping, contemplating what I've got marked here in my Bible, which is Job chapter 3. Can't help but to feel that the Lord is speaking something He spoke some 2,000 years ago at a grave. Loose Him and let Him go. But I really feel like I need to weave the two together. I'm probably going to spend much less time on Job and much more time in John chapter 11. But I think the two go hand in hand. Because we tend to look, just as Brother Stanley said, we look and we see people dying and going to a devil's hell. But the thing is, as we look and we make snap decisions... Let's not pretend like we don't. We've all done it. We've all looked at someone and said, there is no hope for that person. We've all looked at someone and said, it's their own fault. And we go on about our business. I'm guilty probably far more than I should be. Once is too many times, but I'm sure I've done it many more times than once. And we begin to see that even with Job, not with his friends yet, but we do see it with Job. So what I'm going to do this evening, if you want to turn to Job chapter 3, I'm going to read verses 25 and 26 to start. And uh, let me see if I can get this up on the screen for you also here. But as you find that, if you uh, would like to stand for the reading of the Word, I would be appreciative to honor the Lord. And it looks like I will be able to get it up here. Verses 25 and 26 in chapter 3. The Word of the Lord says there, For the thing which I greatly feared is come up on me, And that which I was afraid of is come unto me. I was not in safety, neither had I rest, neither was I quiet, yet trouble came. Lord, quite simply tonight, I pray for your presence. Lord, there is nothing more that we could ask for or hope for other than to be in your presence lord i pray for your anointing across this house lord for me to bring forth what you have burdened me with today lord and god for each of us to be able to hear what the spirit is saying to the church in this day in this hour lord help us to understand your word in jesus name Amen. I'm going to go back 
and read and comment a little bit on Job. But I want you to keep one thing in mind tonight as I read and as we go forth. Don't make a snap decision. And it's going to take me until I get to verse 25 and 26 to go on over to John chapter 11 till we get to the point where we are loosed. We left off with Job rebuking his wife because his wife had looked at him and said, Do you still retain your integrity? Why don't you just curse God and die? Job told her he, she spoke as a foolish woman and asked her that why should we receive good at the hand of God and not evil? And in all of that, he didn't sin. Now, at verse 11 in chapter 2, it moves on to Job's three friends. They had heard of all of this evil that had come upon him, and they came, everyone from his own place, Eliphaz the Timonite, and Bildad the Shuhite, and Zophar the Naamathite. For they had made an appointment together to come to mourn with him and to comfort him. And we know that that is right and good to mourn and comfort one another. If you will remember when we went through Romans, in Romans 12 and 15, it says we are to rejoice with those that rejoice and we are to weep with those that weep. In other words, if someone comes in happy, we should be happy with them regardless of what's going on in our life. We see that even in the Old Testament here because surely Eliphaz, Bildad, and Zophar had not suffered what Job had suffered, yet they had made it a point that they would get together and they would come and that they would mourn with Job even though they themselves really had no reason to mourn. But it really strikes me that when they lifted up their eyes afar off that they did not even know their friend. When they seen Job at a distance, he was in such a state that they did not even recognize him. Now we know that when we get into those states mentally that we tend to take less than good care of ourselves. We may not bathe as often or shave as often or comb our hair as often. We don't like to talk about it, but that is just the truth and that is one of the things that will come out of a very bad mental state. So surely, because of all that had happened, uh, plus the fact that Job had decided to go into mourning and he had ash upon himself, and that he had been purely sitting in a state of mourning and not in his home taking care of himself, he would have looked a little rugged or a little ragged. But then on top of that, we know that he was afflicted with boils from the crown of his head to the soles of his feet. So he also, in addition to not being able to take care of himself because he was in a state of mourning, he also would have probably been at this point by the time they come covered in scabs and he probably just looked a total mess, for lack of a better way to put it. So they lift up their voice and wept. And they did the same thing that Job did. They rent their mantle and they sprinkled dust upon their heads toward heaven. But I love how they mourned with him. They didn't come to him, yet we will get to the, all the things in the hereafter. But at this point, when they sat down with Job, they made no accusations. They made no recommendations. 
They did nothing but sit down in silence with him for an entire week, seven days and seven nights. They just sat on the ground, and none spake a word unto him, for they saw that his grief was very great. But now Job got to a point, and you could take your pick of stories in the Bible. My favorite is Elijah that got to a point where he felt like he was the only one left that cared for God. And he got to the point to where he went and sat down and begged God to let him die. Job got to that very same point. After this, Job opened his mouth and cursed his day. He didn't curse God, but... When it says he cursed his day, what it means is that he cursed the day that he was born. In other words, he wished that he would have never been born to see the trouble that he had seen. He even cursed the time that it was announced that there is a man-child conceived. He wanted that day to be darkened. He said, let that day be darkness. Let not God regard it from above, neither let the light shine upon it. Let darkness and the shadow of death stain it. Let a cloud dwell upon it. Let the blackness of the day terrify it. As for that night, let darkness seize upon it. Let it not be joined unto the days of the year. Let it not come into the number of the months. Lo, let that night be solitary. Let no joyful voice come therein. That is some strong, strong, language that Job absolutely despised that he was even born. He didn't want anything good said about him, about all of the wealth that he had accomplished, all of that he had built, all of the sacrifices that he had made to God. He wanted everything in his life completely wiped from the memory of mankind. I would imagine some of us have at some point been at a place where we ask God to just go ahead and take us on home. I don't know if we have been to the point that we have asked God to erase all memory of us from the earth. That's a whole different level of trouble. Yet that's where Job was at. Let them curse it that curse the day who are ready to raise up their morning. Let the stars of the twilight thereof be dark, let it look for light, but have none. Neither let it see the dawning of the day, because it shut not up the doors of my mother's womb, nor hid sorrow from mine eyes. Why died I not from the womb? Why did I not give up the ghost when I came out of the belly? Why did the knees prevent me, or why the breast that I should suck? For now should I have lain still and been quiet, I should have slept, then had I been at rest. He would have been at rest with kings, counselors of the earth, which built desolate places for themselves, or with princes that had gold or filled their house with silver, or as in hidden untimely birth I had not been as infants which never saw light. Can I tell you tonight that that's selfish? That's selfish. He wanted his mother to suffer the loss of a child. 
Why did not not from the womb? Why did I not give up the ghost when I came out of my mother's belly? You see what happens when you slow down and read. You see what a dire place that Job was in. But what he sees is that in death the wicked cease from troubling and the weary be at rest. That's verse 17. There the prisoners rest together. They hear not the voice of the oppressor. Small and great are there. The servant is free from his master. I suspect that as Job is talking that the servant is free from the master, what he is saying is that if death would overtake him and he would be allowed to die, that he would no longer be a slave to sorrow and mourning, regardless of the consequences that would fall upon everyone else. Wherefore is light given to him that is in misery and life unto the bitter soul which long for death, but it cometh not, and dig for it more than hid treasures, which rejoice exceedingly and are glad when they can find the grave. Why is light given to a man whose way is hid and whom God hath hedged in? For my sighing cometh before I eat, and my roarings are poured out like the waters. All of that that I just read to you shows what a terrible state Job was in both mentally and physically, that his friends didn't recognize him, that he simply wanted to die, that he didn't care of the consequences, that he wanted his entire memory wiped out from the face of the earth, because in his mind, if he would die, then no matter what anybody else was going through, he would no longer have to be a slave to the master of sorrow and hurt and pain. Now, y'all may think that is very harsh and difficult talk, and perhaps it is, but please understand I have had family members do exactly what, we are, uh, what is implied there. So I'm not speaking out of turn. I'm not speaking as if I don't understand the pain and the trouble that comes along with such things. I'm just telling you simply what the Word says and the implications thereof. But as I read all of that, that was all well and good, and that was all simple enough to understand. But I got to these last two verses in chapter 3 that I read to begin, begin the evening. And I couldn't get past them. Because we look back in Job and we're trying to figure out why all of these things has happened. Why has the devil been allowed by God himself to go and afflict Job in such terrible ways with both man and nature? You remember the the Sabians and the Chaldeans, both were uh, man-forced events, and then also nature took their course in two separate events. And then not only that, that he was also allowed to go and affect Job's health. We look and we try to figure it out and we simply do not have an answer. But in these last two verses, Job makes a decision and he believes that he has the answer. He says, the thing which I greatly feared is come up on me. Now we know if we will stop and we will think about the order of things that has been written and what Job had to say, that his fear was that his sons would sin. Therefore, he went out every day and he sacrificed for his sons in order, 
so that they, and just in case, maybe they've sinned. I fear that, so I'm going to go sacrifice. So what Job is saying, understand that Job is making a snap decision. He's making a decision in the depths of his sorrow and his grief. And what he's saying is that very thing that I feared, my son's sinning, has come to pass. That which I was afraid of is coming to me. He feared that they would sin. He was afraid that God would have retribution on them for their sins. Now Job is sitting down in his sorrow and he is saying, I feared that they would sin and lo and behold they did and now God has taken them away. Now is that what happened? But that's what we do. Is it not what we do? Day in and day out throughout our life, we will look at someone and we will say, there is no more hope for them. They've backslid one too many times. They've did this one too many times. Their mind ain't right and they can't, they don't even have the faculties to accept Jesus anymore. My kid ain't never going to get saved. Job made a snap decision. That that very thing that he feared and he worked to protect is exactly what had happened. And in retrospect, he sits down and says, I was not in safety, neither had I rest. Neither was I quiet, yet trouble came. That he did everything he could, and yet due to the fault of someone else, the sins of his son, and the retribution of God on them for their sin, now he is in trouble. That might be a hard pill for you to swallow. But I don't see any other way to read what Job is saying there. There's nothing else mentioned in the text that he has feared. There's nothing else that he worried about coming upon him. So much so that it consumed his life of sacrificing for his sons. Now, we're not going to go forward in Job beyond that chapter tonight because I don't want to spoil reading it week to week and working through the text and seeing how it unfolds. But as we were worshiping, there was another place that come to my mind that showed me that snap decisions do not have to stand. We've all made them, but that can be changed and that can be reversed. God has the ultimate authority and He has the ultimate power over death and over life. He has the ultimate authority on forgiving someone or not forgiving someone. He has the ultimate authority on healing someone or not healing someone. He is the ultimate authority. In John chapter 11, we see other snap decisions being made now why did i go here because of what i told you to begin with i feel that god is telling us sometimes we need someone to say loosing and let him go why because we hold on to things of yesterday we think because we've spoke something so many times that it simply cannot come to pass because the situation simply looks too dire for what we are can conceive in our mind that it is beyond his touch 
But what we see in John chapter 11 is exactly the opposite because they come to him and they had told him that Lazarus was sick. Matter of fact, Lazarus was dead. And you kind of see that unfold through the very first part of it because when they come to him and they told him, the one whom thou lovest is sick, Jesus told them this sickness is not unto death, but that the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified in him. And yet, even after they come and said that he is sick, Jesus decided to go somewhere else. He did not decide to go directly to Lazarus. Matter of fact, in verse 7 of John chapter 11, it says, Let us go unto Judea again. And they didn't want to go because that's where the Jews had sought to stone him, but he says, Are there not twelve hours in the day? If any man walk in the day, he stumbleth not, because he seeth the light of this world. But if a man walk in the night, he stumbleth, because there is no light. And after he got done telling them that, he said, Our, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may awake him out of his sleep. His disciples didn't understand. And he finally got to the point where he had to look at him and say, He's dead. He's dead. I feel that we look at too many things within our life today. Too many people within our life today. We've taken them to the Lord time and time again. We pray for someone day in and day out. And we, we think we hear something from the Lord. We know that we've got His attention and He has heard us. And yet we see Him go out of His way somewhere else. We see someone else's prayers get answered. And then we have something told to us by someone, or even we might feel that within ourselves, we think it's the Lord speaking, but it's really not. Maybe it is. They might say, he's dead. She's dead. That situation is dead. It's not going to happen. Lazarus was sick, but now Jesus is saying he's dead. Now the thing is, is when he went to them, and he asked Martha, what's going on? Martha told him, if you'd have been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Plain and simple, she looked at Jesus Christ himself and said, if you would have done something, I wouldn't be going through this. Does that sound a lot like Job? He's sitting down with his friends and he's making a speech and he's saying, if I would have never been born, I wouldn't have had to go through this. If God would have heard my prayers, I would have never had to go through it. But he looked at her and he said, your brother's going to rise again. I believe God wants some people to know tonight that whatever it is you've been seeking after, whatever it is you've been praying for, whatever it is you've been longing for, that thing that you fear is too far gone, that thing that you fear He has taken His hand off of, I believe He wants some people to understand that it shall rise again. We don't need to be like Martha because when he told that to Martha, she looked at him and she said, I know that in the last days that he will rise and walk again, that he will indeed live again. But 
he looked at her and he was very plain that I am the resurrection and the life, that you don't have to wait till tomorrow. You don't have to wait until next week. You don't have to wait until you think it's the right time, but I am the resurrection of the, and the life. The one that believes on me, though he were dead, though whatever it is you've been seeking is dead, yet shall it live. Whatever it is you've been praying about day after day, week after week, though you believe it is dead, yet shall it live. You don't have the authority over it. You don't have the right to look at something and call it dead or alive. What you've got the right to do is to go boldly before the throne of grace so that you may obtain mercy and grace. What you've got the right to do is petition the Lord, asking, seeking, knocking day after day, time after time, and He will look at you and He assures you that though it were dead, yet shall it live. Believest thou this? Believest thou this? And she said, Yea, Lord, I believe. Yea, Lord, I believe. I believe that thou art the Christ, the Son of God, which should come into the world. That's all it takes from us. When God is asking you, do you believe? Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. I know that you are the Christ. In other words, the anointed one of God that holds the scepter, that is going to make all of his enemies his footstool, that sits at the throne of heaven right now at the right hand of God, that he is the very one that has the authority and right to change everything. Believe thou this. And I've preached this last part so many times. Because it's so powerful and it's so effective in helping us understand what needs to happen for something to be able to live. You see, they could have kept Lazarus pinned up in a tomb. They could have not listened to Jesus and he would have continued to rot. Now Jesus went to the tomb and he told him to take away the stone. Well, their response was exactly that. Lord, he's been dead for four days. He stinks. Jesus don't care how bad you stink. He's already seen it. He's already smelt it. He already knows it. He knew it before you ever did it, that you was going to do it. And he is telling you, you need to take the stone away from that which you want to live. In other words, you need to quit trying to protect it. You need to quit trying to save it yourself. You need to quit trying to hide it away from the world. You need to quit trying to cover the sin up with Lysol or Odaban or whatever it is you use in your home. What you need to do is just lay it bare out on the altar because he already knows it stinks. It's not going to offend him. It's not offensive to the Lord because he's the one telling you, move it away. Because he's telling you the same thing that he told Martha. Did I not tell you that if you would believe, you would see the glory of God? That's exactly what he told her. 
in 12 and 40, or 11 and 40, said I not unto thee that if thou wouldest believe, thou shouldest see the glory of God. If you will, then he will. If you will believe that what you believe is dead has the power of resurrection under the touch of Jesus Christ, then you can see the glory of God. But now there's another part to that. You can bring what you've got and you can lay it on the altar and you can let it lay there and stink. And then instead of answering the call that Jesus has placed on you, you can get up and you can walk back out the door and you can come back in and you can get right over the same thing at the altar next week and you can smell it some more. Are you hearing what I'm saying? You see, he didn't want what was dead to lay there dead. He spoke to that which is dead. And let me assure you that if... He has told you to roll the stone away, to quit covering it up, to quit hiding it, to bring it and put it on the altar. What he is doing is telling you to bring it also back to life. There was no point to roll the stone away, to unhide that which stunk, to unhide that which was dead, unless he had intentions on making use of it. So we have to listen to the call that what we bring forward in death needs to get up from the altar in life and walk back out the door. Not to be left stinking on the altar and worrying about it all week. Not to have to come back in and smell it again. But when He tells you to uncover it, what He's also looking at you is saying, come forth out of death and into life. He said, Lazarus, come forth. And what He done was He got up and He come forward. He didn't stink anymore. He had blood flowing through his veins again. He had the breath that God had breathed into him going in and out of his lungs. He had the ability to get up off of a tomb. But he was bound. He was bound. You see, I believe Job was bound in those last two verses. Now, I could tell you all about the Jewish tradition and why he probably thought that way. That was the thinking of the day. That if something bad happened to you, that it was God that did it because someone had sinned. We still see that thought in John chapter 9 with the man born blind. And they ask Jesus, who sinned, this man or his parents, that he should be born blind? And he said, no one sinned, but he was born blind in order that the works of God may be made manifest to him and God could be glorified. We don't always understand, but we will make those snap decisions. We think that just because something was dead, it can't live. Or if God has told us to bring it and put it on the altar, that it should automatically come forth in a perfect state. 
We see that. We've seen that in churches for years that someone comes and they get saved at the altar and they've been a drunk for 20 years. We expect them to be sanctified, filled with the Holy Ghost and walk perfect when they get up and walk out. But the truth is, is they're often very much like Lazarus, that they have been dead and they stink. They're an offensive odor unto God, but he has finally decided to roll the stone away and he has called them into life. And they come up from the altar and they've got a new vigor about them. They've got the breath of God going in and out of their lungs. They've got the ability to walk to where they need to, but they're still bound. You doubt that Lazarus was a man of God because he was bound. Don't. You doubt that they're a man of God or a woman of God because they're still bound by some things. Don't. What we need to do and what is said here is loose him. Jesus wasn't doing it. Lazarus couldn't do it for himself, but he was calling on those around. You, me, you, to loose him. Now tonight... I believe we need to understand to loose some folks. Not doubt their story, not doubt their salvation, not doubt their sanctification. Because I believe we have some people that are probably a lot like Job. They've went through some difficult things in life. They've went through so much, they've went over and they've sat down on the ground, they've tore their mantle, they've put their ashes on they're sitting in mourning and we have sat and mourned with them and we have listened to them make snap decisions Jesus listened to them come and tell him that Lazarus was sick his sister looked at Jesus and said if you would have just come if you would have been here I wouldn't have had to go through this she made a snap decision. Jesus told her to roll the stone away. It stinks. I can't. He called Lazarus to come forth. He did, but when he come forth, he was bound. Much like I believe Job was bound at the end of chapter 3. He was bound to his thoughts that his sons had sinned and they were everything against God, and God had punished them, which was not the case. Martha thought that if Lazarus, she thought that he would have lived if Jesus would have just been there. But what neither one of them understood at the moment, in the moment, is that God had ultimate authority over their mourning, over their death, over their loss of finances over their loss of everything that they held dear. God had authority over it. Now when God called forth, Lazarus understood the authority, so he got up. But he was still bound. I believe tonight that there are some people that are still bound.
I'm not saying people that are not saved. I'm not saying people that are not sanctified. I'm saying I believe you are bound by snap decisions that you have made at times. Things that you have said that you believe are not going to come to pass in your life. But what I'm here to tell you tonight is Job's story does not end at chapter 3. That after we move on through the book, we see that Job has a restoration that comes to him. We see that Lazarus, in that short little passage there, he... People might have thought he was dead. They thought there was no more hope. They thought they had to wait until the end of days to see the power of God glorify him. But what they didn't understand, that Jesus was right in front of them, and he had the power and authority to bring him out of the grave. What they also didn't understand was that they were going to play part of the case there. They were going to play part of the story. Tonight, we need to play part of the story. What we need to do is help some people be loosed from their past, help some people be loosed from things that are dragging them down, unable to walk, unable to take good steps, unable to work for the Lord because they think because they've not seen their son saved that they can't see someone else saved. They think because their daughter is doing this that they can't do what God would have them to do. They think because something has fallen apart in their life that they're no longer going to be effective for the Lord. They think because they're advanced in age that they can't do what they used to do. God let Moses live to 120 years old and he was not abated in his physical abilities. His eyes were still strong. If God did it for Moses, he can do it for you. He, he has no respect of persons. If he kept Moses healthy to 120, he can heal your 90-year-old body. If he brought Lazarus out of the grave after he was dead and stinking, he can bring your dream back to life. If there was someone that could loose the bonds off of Lazarus, I promise you there's someone here tonight that can loose the bonds off of you. I'm here to tell you tonight, quit making snap decisions. God is calling you. He wants you to be loosed and set free tonight. So the altar call is really quite this simple. If you feel like something's holding you back, if you've made a snap decision somewhere along the line that you feel was erroneous, that you don't want to see dead, but you want to see alive, come. And I'm not going to ask you to just come and kneel down in the altar because Lazarus couldn't do it on his own. Lazarus couldn't do it on his own. Lazarus needed someone to loose him. We know from James in the... A little bit further on, that if there's any sick among you, let him call for the elders, let him anoint with oil, lay hands on and pray. If you're bound by a child, I want you to come. If you're bound by bad past decisions, I want you to come. If you're bound by anything, that is holding you back from what God has for you to do because He's called every one of you to be a witness and a laborer for Him. I want you to come. And I want you to let us pray that you be loosed. And by us, I mean me and the elders of this church. The altars are open. If you need loosed, if something's holding you back, please come and just line up and let us pray for you tonight.